Hi everyone, welcome to Football at Annual Podcast 84. We're hotting up towards the Euros, so plenty more content from us in the near future. And today, we'll be talking about Netherlands against Scotland, one of the warm-up friendlies before the Euros start. Of course, you listen to us uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes, but you might be watching us live on YouTube or after we've recorded live on YouTube. Um, of course, there's one of those platforms, you can download us, watch us, listen to us, whatever you want. Now, the Euros are coming up, and I'll give one last shout to our football annual wristbands. You can still get these more expensive wristbands before it starts. You can get the that in the description on YouTube and SoundCloud. We've got um, a special guest here today. We've got Andy from the Hampton Raw Podcast. You well, Andy? Yes, guys. Very good. Thanks very much for, for having me on. And you Looking may have a Scottish accent, um, meaning, of course, he's a Scotland fan. We've got somebody else with Scottish accent on this podcast who's not a Scotland fan. Um, <laughs> like people have asked that in the past. Um, why don't you support Scotland? Why do you support the Netherlands? It's not that I don't support Scotland. Whenever Scotland play, I do support them. It's just that when I was growing up, Scotland were never at the tournament, so that's why I delve towards Holland because I've got Dutch family. So when there's a tournament times, there's always Holland, and then yeah, it's just stuck with it. And then start a website. So now, you know, when it comes to Netherlands, I'm all in. Um, but yeah, when Scotland are playing, as long as it's not in Netherlands are playing, then yeah, I do support Scotland. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, you're the Scotland fan. How long have you been following Scotland? Has it been your whole life? Yeah. Uh, going to games for years and years. Um, with my dad, my dad was the one that got me into Scotland. First game was in 99 against Lithuania. I can still kind of, I was only five years old, but I can still kind of remember it a bit. And as Mike alluded to it's been it's been mostly disappointment and failure but that is kind of what keeps you there and makes it worth it that we know that we've got there that the the overwhelming pride and passion that you know you've been with the team the whole way and this is the reward for it that we, we finally got to the the big stage um and and it's all the failures and disappointment and all, all the nearlys now mean nothing to me and um, because we, we've we've achieved the dream Nice one. Um, and of course, the Netherlands have been struggling a bit too recently um, for for some sort of tournament form. But yeah, the Scotland wait's been it's been exceptionally long. And um, are you are you doing much going into tournament? You you you're, you're with the Hampton Raw podcast. So t- tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, Hampton Raw for the Scotland Stadium is called Hampden Park. So the, the the fans are normally quite noisy when it's a full house at fifty two thousand capacity, and it's just a famous concept called the Hamden Roar from the from the crowd. Um and I started the podcast two and a half years ago maybe because I felt that there wasn't really anything just strictly dedicated to the national team. There's a lot of stuff up here um for Celtic Rangers and, and all the other clubs, but nothing really just for the national team. And that's my passion. I'm a country over clubs. So started this podcast. I've been interviewing former players and managers about their their days with the national team at World Cups and qualifying campaigns, just some really good guests like Willie Miller, Kenny Miller, Billy Dodds, uh, Gary Caldwell, loads and loads if, you, if anyone wants to go through my, my Spotify or iTunes. Uh, and then I do a couple of debate pods as well and when there's squad announcements or when there's games. Uh, myself and two of my mates, Gordon and Ben, who are both Tartan Army members, we'll, we'll discuss the squad and, and where we think Scotland are going right and wrong and, and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Brilliant stuff, Andy. Um, now, Mike, we've got uh, the first friendly coming up then. It is against Scotland. What are you looking to see from Frank de Boer 
given his selection. It's a promising selection. He made some of the right choices. But what are you looking to see in this, this first friendly? For me, you know, this game isn't really that important to me for playing the strongest 11. You know, Delict has fitness problems and Blind has fitness problems. Frankie De Jong and Vijnaldum only turned up at training today. And I wouldn't expect the bird to put out you know, the first choice 11 going into this game just because the, the squad hasn't had that much time to to gel. So I'd like to see some of the the fresh new players. I'd like to see Gakpo start. I'd like to see Jurian Timber possibly playing a, playing a right back and see some of the players who have something to prove, especially somebody like Veghorst up front. You know, if he's going to challenge Luke De Jong for the starting spot, I want to see him getting some game time. So yeah, I'd like to see a 4-3-3 three, three from the start um, against the Scotland side and, and go attacking. I know that De Boer's alluded that he might play 5-3-2, but in this game, go for 4-3-3, three, three, see if we can get some confidence going into the second game against Georgia, which is you know at home, and then into the, it's only two weeks today until we play Ukraine. So yeah, he needs to start getting some of his tactical decisions spot on at the moment. And um, but I'd like to see some players that you know De Boer has question marks around, you know, the the vet course, the gap pose, the the Graven Birches maybe given a chance to to put themselves forward. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. Yeah. Most of these two friendlies to just sort of iron out um players who are in the squad, they need to get some minutes, get get ready to play for the Netherlands. Vecos hasn't played for the Netherlands for ages. He's a perfect example of a player who needs to play up front. Um, Lou De Jong has been playing a lot uh, in, in attack, but still, you, I mean, many fans will say that they don't really want him to start games for the Netherlands and would much prefer Verkhorst. 20 goals in the Bundesliga. Um, I can't say how many De Jong's got, but I can tell you it's not very many. Um, four. Four. Well, <laughs> the difference is staggering. Uh, we've had a couple of people ask about who the starting 11 should be, Mike. Um, on Twitter, there was questions in about this. RGN Huskies was asking who Aston Eleven will be and here's he put in there having Timber starting, um Hamburg and uh Vekos too. But on the whole he put also put quite a strong eleven. We're looking to see some different players play. Sillison's out with COVID. Um we need to see different striker play. The wide areas are, are, are an area that we talk about quite a lot because the the, the lowest quality is in those areas. And do, do you think that that Frank Lebeau is going to start with uh, Burkhaus on the right, Memphis on the left in this one? Or do you think he might he might choose some different players to see what they're made of? Again, it's kind of to tournaments. So he has to try and try and lock these players in. I think Burkhaus is a, a guaranteed starter when it comes to that Ukraine game. And then he just needs to decide whether it's going to be you no know, Memphis up front or it's going to be a tall striker. So you know, Memphis would be on the left and then it would be either Dijkhorst or, or De Jong for the middle. And for this game, that's why I want to see Vekhorst, just to see how he, he does. You know, maybe he will start Memphis on the left, Vekhorst for the middle, Berghaus, see how it clicks, you know, two weeks ago until the, the big game. So, yeah, I think we want to see that. But, you know, just in terms of this game, I want to see some some of the players that have maybe not going to get into that Ukraine game, like Cook Miners, as there is in the comments. I want to see him getting some minutes, grabbing Berg, you know, just try some different things and, and see if it works. Yeah, it's actually put a nice comment on the screen. So someone here saying that Coke Miners, Vekos, Kapo and Timber must start. Um, and and hope, another one hoping that Coke Miners starts. So there's players that we want to see play. This is their chance to shine. This is their chance to get a starting spot or become an important player as the tournament progresses. But Andy, uh, looking at Scotland, the Netherlands are going to set up most likely with a 4-3-3, tall striker. Tricky wingers. Memphis is live wire. You may remember him playing a lot for Man United. Um, defence looks pretty solid, but how how do you think that 
the Scotland are going to sort of combat that and, and play against Nevins. I imagine that they want to use it as a chance to play against a strong team because they've got a couple of really good ones in their group. Yeah, as a fan, I'm quite conflicted because I want to see us play with our strongest team, but it also worries me that one of or two of them might get injured and that just completely wrecks the plan. Um, Scotland have been playing with a, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3, depending on um, how you look at it. Um, so the wingers, it would maybe concern me because our right-back, Stephen O'Donnell, is a, a pretty solid player. He came along at a good time for the national team. He plays for Motherwell in the Scottish Premiership. Um, he played under Steve Clark at Kilmarnock for a few years, so they've got a good relationship. Uh, and, he, and he's fairly solid. Um, and we were struggling for right-backs when he was available, and, and he's earned the jersey. He's, he's never really let us down, but he's not a fast player. Uh, he's, he's really good at getting up and pressing. In fact, our goal against the Czech Republic in the Nations League and also our goal against Serbia in the playoff, both came from O'Donnell winning the ball high up the park. Uh, he plays as a right wing back, not the right of the three centre halves. Um, and he's good at that. But I think that he could be shown up by uh, an absolutely rapid winger. Um, if O'Donnell's caught out of position, he'll need to be focused completely. Um, Andy Robertson on the other side, uh, I've never felt that the left wing back particularly suits him. I think he's best as a left back of a four rather than pushed out at left wing back um, of a, a five, I suppose, if you put it that way. Um, so I suppose his positioning is, is vital as well. The, the three centre-halves would be Tierney, Hanley and probably Jack Hendry, who's played in Belgium before Ostende this season. He's actually had some really good reviews over there. Uh, he was named Defender of the Year in the, the Jubilee. So, yeah, that, that should be that. And up front, uh, we'll have a big striker as well with Lyndon Dykes, who's come into some form with QPR. Uh, he was struggling most of the season, but he scored something like six goals in his final eight or nine games of the season, which is which is perfect. And he'll partner Shelly Adams, um, who we managed to tempt to commit to us uh, in the last international break. He was born and raised in England, but he's got some Scottish family, and I think he's he's uh, hedged his bets. I suppose his chances of playing for England are pretty low, but he'll be our, he'll be our number one striker, so we'll take him. And how do you think the Netherlands will be looking to try and break that that defence down, Mike? Do you think that that's going to be um, an important game for uh, Berghaus, for example, if he's, if he's playing on the right? Because we had a question about whether Berghaus or Promes start on the right. Who would you want to see um, trying to break down Scotland? Because there's games in the, the group um, coming up where they'll have to play against teams that will sit deep. North Macedonia, Austria, definitely will be defensive. Mm. Yeah, Scotland are a team that certainly will absorb pressure and look to hit on the counter. Steve Clark did that with his Kilmarnock team uh, and we had pace going forward at Kilmarnock. Uh, I'm a Kilmarnock supporter, so it's kind of best of both for me. Um, but the the two wingers that you're, you're talking about there, I've seen Promise play. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with Berghaus. Um, he, he's not a player that uh, I've not sat down and watched much Eredivisie football at all, really just highlights now and again on YouTube. Um, so I think that any pacey player on the right, whoever whoever plays on the left side for Bel uh, for Belgium, sorry for for Netherlands, is uh, is what you would be targeting because on the right side on the right side of the park for Holland, you'll be coming up against Robertson and Tierney. And Tierney, in my opinion, is our best player. Uh, he can get forward from left centre half, and he can cover Andy Robertson with his eyes shut. I think he's absolutely world class. Uh, on the right side, you've got a lot more inexperience. Uh, with Jack Hendry, who's just come into the national setup again, and Stephen O'Donnell, who, although I think is a good player, is not very fast. So I think that if, if his positioning 
or his focus was caught even slightly out, then the left side of the park is where uh, Holland would probably profit. And what do you think might be looking to try and break uh, Scotland down? Yeah, I think what Andy said is right. I think on the, it's going to be a, a tail of two, two sides, whereas Scotland are so strong on the, the left. You know, Holland will probably be stronger on the, the other side with, with Memphis if he does start. Or have to go with somebody like Gakpo as well, so they can target the, the left hand side um, of the Scottish defence. But you know, if you got, say for example, Berghaus and Dumfries on the right, and they get forward, and then it leaves the space open for for Scotland to attack down that side with with Robertson or, or Tierney. So for me, it'd be if they're going to play a back horse, what they've got to do is get the the crosses crosses in the box, which you know we've not really seen with when they play Luke De Jong, it seemed to be a bit of frustration that they seem to always pass it around the box and, you know, Memphis usually cuts inside and, and shoots or Berger cuts inside and shoots. If they play Veghorst, I'd like to try and get a ball in the box and, you know, challenge these Scottish defenders. So if Tierney's playing in the middle, I know he's, he's really, really, really good, but um, he's probably not the tallest. You could say the same way with Daley Blind if Daley Blind's playing in the centre of the park, but you've got somebody like Veghorst who's, you know, nearing six foot five whatever it is you know you've got to get crosses in and try and challenge them um, in the box so that's the way to combat it that that's is a funny thing of the cross if he's that tall because scotland brought in grant hanley in the recent international break again to the fold to play in the middle of the three at the back uh, and his job and he's the only like dominating center half the, the other two next to him tierney and probably jack henry are guys that are really composed with the ball at their feet they can see up the pitch. They're accurate with their passes forward. They're not there to batter through the striker. That's Grant Hanley's job. Uh, and I think he's pretty good. He's captain Norwich to the championship title in England this season. But he was given a really hard game against Austria in the, the qualifiers just a few months ago. The big Stuttgart striker for them, uh, Kalazic, scored twice um, for Austria at Hamden uh, when he was up against Grant Hanley. He was just a big six foot seven brute up front. Uh, and Grant Hanley's job is to to stop him from getting the ball. Uh, and I've seen Scotland struggle with big strikers before. I admit the one that always sticks out for me was when we, to be fair, Steve Clark was still trying to get to grips with the job at this point, but we played Russia away from home. And Artem Zuba, oh my God, he he ran riot against our defence. Like it, it, he was, it, it was somehow he was able to occupy all four of our defenders at once. Um, and it was crazy. And a big striker, scares me a wee bit for Scotland and that's why I was so happy when Lyndon Dykes came along for us because he's of a similar mindset he's not at that level but he's similar attributes and I would love to see someone like that for Scotland um, so if you're saying that Holland have got a big striker that you think could put a bit of pressure on our defence then that would be that would be concerning because I think someone who's maybe smaller and more diminutive in a poacher I would, I would back us to take care of him more but then again we did okay against Mitrovic in the playoffs when we had Serbia. Um, so it can kind of can come swings and roundabouts. It's funny you say that about the tall striker. We, we, we don't really want Luke de Jong to start matches for Netherlands, but it feels like he is going into a tournament. And I think to answer a question we had on Twitter from Abdul, whether we go Luke de Jong or Vekhorst, I think it better be de Jong just because he is more threatening in the air than Vekhorst is. Vekhorst is tall, but not necessarily an aerial threat, I, I wouldn't personally say. Uh, De Jong is more threatening in the air. Maybe he'll cause some problems. He scored uh, three goals in three games over the last international break, but it sounds good. They're all like 
flicks and random uh, random goals that were sort of kicked in off him and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, what who would you rather see start, Mike? Well, I want to see Vegas just because we've not seen him and he's got yeah, that yeah. point to prove. So, as you said, like, when I looked at the young start, the last, well, he didn't start, but the last three games, it was just the ball hit him and went in. It wasn't like him doing anything spectacular to score the goals. You know, he had one close range tap in, I think, against um, Gibraltar or, or Latvia, whichever one it was. It's so in close range. And then one against Turkey just sort of hit his foot and went in, sort of thing. But I think Vegas, if he is. He is tall and he is strong. What he can do is also link the play. So if he's flicking the ball on, if he's on Grant Hanoi flicking it on to somebody like David Classen who's running into the box, and that partnership could work really well. Yeah. I think he's better with his feet and Luke De Jong is. Luke De Jong, yeah, he's a header, header of the ball. Um, he's probably one of the best strikers in, in Europe for if the ball's in the air. But when it's at plays, he's not effective. So if you've got somebody like Vekhorst who can play with his feet, and is six foot seven, he's taller than De Jong is, then they can play both ways. So I want to see him and see how it works. Because yeah, he does have that point to prove. You know, he's, he's coming into the national team after years of trying to get in there and everyone putting him forward and keep getting left out. So this is his chance to, to prove himself. So I want to see him. I know we've not even mentioned Daniel Mallon yet, who's the other option. But he again, he's a small, tricky forward. And I just don't see that being as effective against a, a team that might sit back. Um, and, you know, Netherlands played Scotland recently. They played them, um, I think it was in Aberdeen a couple of years ago in Memphis, scored the, the only goal. And I remember it being a, a tough game and Scotland had chances to, to score. So, you know, I'm expecting it to be a very tough game again. I think it's, you know, it's not in the Netherlands, it's in Portugal, you know, it's, it's a neutral ground. So I think if Netherlands aren't 100% at it, you know, it could be, could go either way. Yeah, but just a quick look at some of the comments. Arnold Manju would love to see Vekos get started as a striker. So Vekos again very popular amongst fans to start. Again, another three players there. Uh, this this Dutch football fan saying they doesn't get well guards. He wasn't selected into the squad. We can talk about more. Um, a bit later on, I, I think as well, I might have liked to have seen our guys who picked in the squad. But on the topic of an Aston Villa player, I'm an Aston Villa fan. I, I, I like talking about Aston Villa when I can on the Dutch football podcast. Um, what will Scotland midfield look like, Matine Matai asks? So I imagine these are the best first to ask for this one. Again, McTominay and Gilmore, or will Armstrong start? And just from my point of view, I mean, McGinn has stepped up towards the end of the season for Villa, and I, I'm really, really pleased to see him play for Scotland. And I think he'll one of the biggest problems for the Netherlands to deal with so physical yeah McGinn is arguably I know I said earlier that Tierney is our best player um but I think that McGinn could be our most important if differentiate the two um his contribution from midfield is phenomenal and in fact I read a stat that since Steve Clark took charge of the national team two years ago only one international player in Europe has scored more goals at international level than John McGinn. I think he's got 10 since Steve Clark took charge two years ago. I can't remember who it is that scored more. I think it might be Immobile at Italy, but I'm not sure. Um, so that's just frightening, really, for, for an attacking mid for a team like Scotland, who are a team that don't have the ball all the time. Um, I think that he will start. Uh, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Don't think Armstrong starts for Scotland. I, I really love him because I think he's unique for Scotland. We don't have another player like him that can pick up the ball in midfield and drive to break the lines um, of defence and midfield of the opposition. I really like him, but I think he's someone that we bring on when we need to swing the game in our favour. 
Um, next week, I against against Holland. I'm not sure McTominay will start. Uh, I think he starts in our strongest team and he will start against the Czech Republic. I wonder if he'll be given a little rest because he's had the Europa League final as well. Gilmore, yeah, I know he didn't play against uh, Man City last night. Um, but again, he's had a, a week away with his club team. I wonder if he'll be given a bit more time uh, just to recuperate. Part of me also thinks so that if McTominay is going to be given a rest, then the, rest, the natural re replacement for him would probably be Gilmore. So he might partner Gilmore with Cal McGregor uh, of Celtic or maybe John Fleck of Sheffield United, just to kind of try and get a few other combinations familiar with each other. I think that Clark's first choice midfield for the Euros will be the, the two deeper midfielders of McTominay and Cal McGregor and then John McGinn just in front. And then he'll probably have uh, Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes or maybe Ryan Fraser up top together. Um, th there are options for us in midfield. Ryan Christie can probably feel a bit unfortunate if he's not a starting player. Uh, Stuart Armstrong is someone who, again, has a claim for a start, but we've just got a lot of, of competition. And in the attacking position, John McGinn has more than earned the jersey and, and doesn't look like giving it up anytime soon. He is the attacking mid for Scotland. Um, and in the, deep, in the deeper position, it'll be McTominay and I would imagine Callum McGregor. I don't think that Billy Gilmore will get thrown in just uh, just at the start of the Euros, although it really excites me the prospect of McTominay and Gilmore being Scotland's midfield pairing for the next eight to ten years. And McGinn has been immense for Villa too when he's been pushed forward uh, from a more offensive position. On that topic, I'm wondering how, how will Scotland find, how do you think they'll deal with a player just Frank de Jong? Arguably, the Netherlands is highest quality player. Where, 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 where does he sit for Holland? Yeah, so he'll be the deepest midfielder, um, most likely, in the midfield three. And he will just pull the strings, play the ball between the lines. Fantastic, fantastic, world-class player. How can Scotland deal with that? I think they would probably encourage McGinn just to get to get in his face as, as quickly as possible, not give him any space um, a second in the ball. I know that players like De Jong, they know what they're going to do with the ball before it arrives at their feet. So you need to be there to cut off the channel or the avenue to intercept the pass. If John McGinn, if the ball's on its way to Frankie De Jong, and he is anticipating, OK, De Jong's going to try and turn this around the corner for Depay. McGinn needs to get his foot in to intercept the pass, that sort of thing. Um, so just be on the player constantly. Maybe not a man-marking job, but you need to be in his sphere the whole time. I don't think that uh, McTominay would go far enough forward to do that job. And I don't think that's Callum McGregor's game. Uh, whereas I think McGinn has got the strength, the aggression, he's got the body... Uh, Michael, you've seen him at Villa. He's got his bum is huge. He can get his body in the way. Like <laughs> yeah, like he can stand in and, and players just kind of bounce off him. He's a small guy, John McGinn, but he's strong. Um, so I would I would say that of Scotland's midfield three, it would probably be John McGinn's job to to try and stop the threat of of Frankie Dio. Uh, any thoughts on that, Mike, and how the Netherlands will find the challenge of Scotland? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm terrified of it. Frankie Dion getting injured in the next two games. You know, I wouldn't even let him anywhere near the Scotland side. But um, yeah, I, I'd wrap him up in, in Cottonwell all day long for the next two games and let him just roam free at the, the actual tournament. But yeah, I think that, you know, if you're going to go with uh, if Scotland's midfield, you know, it is, it's talented. It's probably the, 
best comments midfield I remember in a, a long time. Um, so I think if you're going to go up against that, you've got somebody like Vinaldum who can hold on the ball. You say that McGinn's great at shielding it, so is Vinaldum. That's what he is very strong at, is shielding the ball. So somebody like him in there. And I'd like to see you put in Coop Miners as well, just give him a run up, let him play the Frankie role. He'll pick it up deep and then spray the passes forward. Now, if you've got somebody like Veghorst who's going to be far up the pitch with, say, a speedy striker around him, you know, that's perfect for Coop Miners just to, to launch the ball forward, find Veghorst, play off to somebody else, and then you know, that partnership could really work. But, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't play Frankie De Jong um, from the start, maybe bring him on in the second half. Let Coop Miners have a run up, prove himself, and then in combat Scotland's midfield with maybe a... Vinaldum and then David Classen, you know, just free hard working midfielders like to run about would be would be my answer. We we've we've got we've got a problem in that our our most defensively minded midfielder is injured. Ryan Jack plays for Rangers, tremendous defensive midfielder, uh, and he's not really interested in attacking. He just wants to win the ball and stop the other team from from getting forward. I think he's I think it's his groin. I think he's an, an operation on, and, and he won't make it. And although Billy Gilmore and Scott McTominay are 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 midfielders that will sit a bit deeper, they not every inch of their brain is defensive like Ryan Jack. So they like to create as well. They they like to kind of go. McTominay likes to go box to box, whereas Ryan Jack, all that's in his head is stop the other team. That's all he wants to do, and he's really good at it. Uh, so McTominay, um, McGregor. John Fleck and Gilmore, they're our four deepest midfielders. They, they are all capable of playing in the deeper role, but none of them are anywhere near as good as a, like a screening, battling defensive midfielder as Ryan Jack. It was a big loss for us when, when he was injured. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that, 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 Mike, you want to go with so many different uh, players in the team because I think going into this tournament, we need to build up as much chemistry as possible between these players, and I get the idea of giving players a run out, but these two friendlies have to see what the what the starting eleven can do. And that's just my personal opinion. I know that many people in the comments have actually disagreed with me with, with that because they've said they want all these other players to start. But it'd be great to see how Coke Miners and Hamber get on against like the, these tough Scottish midfielders. It's something that they wouldn't ever be used to. Even playing in Europe, they haven't played anything like that, apart from maybe playing Man United. But that's a different different battle, I think. Uh, let's put some more of the comments on the screen. Uh, one about Marlon here. Marlon missing too much, um, too much to play in a critical match, especially when he starts. Beckles must start as De Burst finally picked him. Thanks, Robert, for your comment here. Um, keep the positive vibes up. And a question if Randy, who's starting in goal for Scotland? David Marshall will start in goal for Scotland. Uh, he saved the Mitrovic's penalty that got us to the Euros. He has. Uh, probably made a few, not I wouldn't say errors, but he's let in a few goals in the last couple of games that he would probably save more often than not. It's not like he's pammed it into the net or anything like that, but you just say, oh, Marshall could have maybe got that. It was one against Israel uh, when we drew 1-1 over there, shot from the edge of the box that he, he could have got a stronger hand on. Uh, and I think it was one against uh, Austria as well that it was the first goal that um, you thought of Marshall could probably have done a bit better there. They're not significant errors that warrant him to be dropped because of the 
he's got enough credit in the bank, David Marshall, that he can get away with slight, slight mistake like that. Uh, I do agree with the, the commenter there um, saying that Craig Gordon has been immense for Hearts this season. And if Steve Clark did decide to replace David Marshall with Craig Gordon, that doesn't worry me at all because I trust Gordon. I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. Um, but I think that it would be unfair and very harsh uh, to to take the gloves away from David Marshall and give them to someone else. Yeah, that's fair. And um, one from Tymon about Mitchell Bucker, left back for Netherlands. Was he not a name being discussed for it? Vision up for grabs. It's looking like it'd be Owen Vindal starting at left back. Uh, the RZ player, he's played every single minute in the Eredivisie this season. Only one of two players to do that. And he deserves his starting spot. And I think he will be the, the main left back throughout the tournament, which if you said that to me a year ago, I'd have been quite surprised. And it's really good to see him, to see him in that position. Um, Mike, a question came in on Twitter. And it's, it was from Craig saying, if you could replace one member of the squad with someone, what swap would you make? And someone already put in the comments about El Ghazi already here. And that would be my one. I think I put El Ghazi in for Promes. How about you? Yeah, I think if you were going to look at the squad and pick out one that maybe shouldn't be there, you'd say... Um, promise and then switch him in for either Algazi or Bergvine. The other one I'd look at is, is Van Anholt. Um, you know, he's got Daley Blind who can play left back, he's got Nathan Ake who can slot in it at left back, but he's only chosen Vindal, or he's chosen Vindal and, and Van Anholt, whereas he's only picked Dumfries as the out and out right back. So he's thinking that Timber and Veltman can then slot in there if they're, they're needed. So if I was to make one swap it would be probably switch out Van Anholt and put in Karsdorp and just have a bit of variation on the right especially if he goes 5-3-2 I think somebody like Karsdorp always done for Roma this season has been excellent so I think he would have deserved it a bit more than Van Anholt who's as far as I'm aware he's a bench player at Crystal Palace now so he doesn't even start for them Um, so yeah for me I think and Anhorst's not really going to play at the tournament. It's going to be Vindal or it's going to be Daily Blind. So I don't really see what point is in playing him or taking him with the squad. Whereas you could have had a Karsdorp if Dumfries is not having a good game. Just chuck Karsdorp in there. But yeah, I promise for El Ghazi or Bergwijn or taking out Van Anhorst for, for Karsdorp would be my decisions. That's fair enough. And um, a, a, ge- a general broad question that I want everyone in, to get involved in who's watching live. And if you're not watching this live, do leave a comment um, on YouTube. Let us know what you're thinking. Big question. What stage do you think that the Netherlands will reach in Euro 2020 with De Boer? I think that's a little thing there, with De Boer as coach, not anybody else, not Ron Koeman, De Boer. Um, that came in on Twitter. That's quite a big one. What do you think, Mike? And if you're watching live, let us know right now. What do you think? How far do you think the Netherlands will get? I mean, if you asked me after the last round of games, I would have said quarterfinals at the most. But now that the tournament's getting closer and closer, the squad I'm happy with, you know, my brain's saying, you know, it could be could be semi-finals and then you never know. So right now I'm going to say be a bit more optimistic than, than the quarterfinals and say the, the semis. And then if you're playing against somebody in the semis, it's always going to be a tight game. You never know what could happen if it goes to, to penalties or there's a sneaky goal. I think on their day, no one's going to beat anyone in this tournament, but they don't usually play it on their day when the Bears in charge. So, yeah, so I'll go, go semi-finals at the best. Would would that would that would that change would that change Mike if Van Dyke was fit? Yeah, see, this is the thing. Like, everyone seems to forget how good Van Dyke is because since he's been injured, everyone's like, "Oh, it's not that big a problem." Because we've got De Vrij and we've got De Ligt, and it's true. De Vrij 
is an excellent defender. He's had an excellent season for Inter Milan, but I think everyone's forgetting how crucial Van Dijk has been for Netherlands um, in recent years, especially looking back at the games against Germany when he scored in the last minute. Um, just the threat he is from set pieces and how he commands the box. I think that if Van Dijk was in there, I'd be a, I'd be a lot more confident of reaching, say, the final if Van Dijk was there, just because of his leadership and his command of the box. Whereas De Ligt and De Vrij, um, as they're both world-class centre-backs, but I think Van Dijk's that step up above them. Um, so I would have wanted him in there. But what's, what's your, what are the actual expectation levels in, in the country, given that you haven't been to the last two tournaments? I think for me, I, everyone wants to see Netherlands do well at this tournament. I think it's a fresh tournament. First one for De Jong, first one for De Ligt. It's a fresh new squad. People think that, you know, two years ago when Kimmin was in charge, everyone was saying we're going to got a chance of winning it. But since De Boer's come in, I think expectations are now lower. Um, I think expectation is quarterfinal. I think that's what everyone's saying. I think even De Boer's said that semifinals is probably the best we can aim for. So I think expectations at the moment in the Netherlands are lower than what it would have been under Koeman if Van Dijk was there. So I think if anything past quarterfinals would be seen as a success in the Netherlands. Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know that's the thing? I, I I keep digging into this more and more, and the more I think about it, the more I, the more I see that the draw is coming up. I think the Netherlands will be fine in the group they've got. And I think that they'll be fine with the last 16 tie, whoever that is, because it's going to be a third-place team. They'll get past that one. It'll be whoever they get in the last eight. But it doesn't matter. The last eight will look all the semi-final. They're going to come up against a big team at, that, at a certain point. And I think people in the comments, I'll put on the screen in a second, they also agree that it, the Netherlands don't have that capacity at the minute to beat a France, to beat a Portugal, possibly even in England, just because of... The, there's a there's a slight gap in quality, and whilst Nevins has got this togetherness, this unity about the squad, which seems unrivaled actually. There's there's you know it's much better than Spain, it's much better than Germany with the way that they are at the minute. The players that that can mean so so much as a team. But De Boer is a coach, and I think that, that is what we were all concerned about about how he could adapt his team to play one of the, the biggest nations. They can't do it because he's not capable enough as a coach to to to, to whittle away about how he can get past the team. Um, and, and and there's a few comments here. I'll bring, oh, I've changed since I last looked. But yeah, again, <clears throat> quarterfinal. And it's not as if we'd be unhappy with a quarter semifinal. It's just that they can't really get much further than that. Thomas agrees with the quarterfinal. Matai, you just said it right here that I think it's the last eight. Plays, he always seems to comment on these. Thanks, plays again. I want us to do well, but I don't see us doing well under the bird. It's a shame because we've got brilliant plays in almost every position. Agreed. But then, Matayan asked, what are Scotland's expectations? Uh, so back in November, when we reached the tournament, we beat Serbia on penalties. We already knew the draw um, because it had been made in advance. And I think at that point, everyone was just accepting it was good enough to be there. We've made it to a tournament. This is what we've been waiting for. And the, the SFA actually came up with a slogan, no Scotland, no party. And... I get what they were trying to do, but for me, it kind of demeans us a wee bit. Like, all that we're good for is providing a bit of atmosphere and drinking, whereas I think that we're actually capable of causing some teams a bit of trouble. Um, for for me, if, if we don't get out of the group, then I'm not going to reflect on Euro 2020 as a disaster because it is the first time we've been there in a long time. This group of players are still growing together, and I think that we will be more successful over the next 10 years or so. But I think that we have to be aiming to get out of the group. Um, it's not like 
we have been as unlucky as, as Hungary and we've been stuck in a group with three powerhouses that will be lucky to score a goal. We, our first game is at home to Czech Republic, literally at home because Glasgow's a host city. Uh, we, we have to beat them and then just see what happens against England and Croatia. If we can pick up three points against Czech Republic, that might be enough for us to get through to the last 16 as one of the best third-place finishes. Um, it is a tough group, given that England and Croatia were both in the semi-finals and one of them in the final of the last World Cup. But I think that we, we can maybe get something off, off Croatia. I'm not too confident about England. Their attacking options are lethal. Um, but I think that if we can beat the Czech Republic, then there's a very big chance that we'll get out of the group. And I know that managers and players, when they ask, speak to them after games and stuff, and all they say is, oh, we're just focusing on the next game. And I've, I've always thought, ah, what a lot of nonsense, that's rubbish. But even as a fan now, that's genuinely the way that I'm looking at it. Just focus on Czech Republic. If we can get three points, then we go from there and see what happens. Because if we lose to Czech Republic, then the chances of us getting out of the group are very slim. No, that's fair. And it's a really tough group, Scotland, but coming through as one of the third place teams is a, mm-hmm. an avenue which you can explore. Like It's a chance of yeah. you getting through. Yeah. And then before you know it, you might be playing the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Predictions going to the game then, guys. Um, who wants to go first? What do you think the score will be? Netherlands, Scotland. Only friendly, but let's give it a prediction. I think yeah, I'm going to go for a, a Netherlands 2-1 win. Um, I think it'll be quite a tight game, quite a, an open game as well. Um, at times, I think Scotland will have chances. I think Netherlands will have chances. And then I just come down to, to who scores them. And I think the Netherlands will get get a victory and it'll be 2-1. Uh, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't think that Scotland have, have no chance, but I think that Holland will probably win this one. I'll, I'll go 1-0 Holland. Yeah, I think 1-0 is not a, good, not a bad shout because it's not a game with much rides on it. And I think that once, if an Evans has scored in the first half, I think the second half will be just experiment with things, see how they get on. But no one's going to push themselves because they don't want to get injured, of course. Yeah. When we time themselves out. Um, the Netherlands have Georgia and another friendly as well coming up, and then it really starts. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think a 1 0 win for Netherlands, um, but I think it won't be that scared. I think Scotland will definitely create some chances. Um, and Delict is might not play this match, but a good chance to see what Stefan de Vries made of um, to see what the Netherlands can come up with. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be a good match and between two decent, decent teams. So, um, Andy, thanks for joining us on the Football Night podcast. No, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> and, and Mike, of course, we'll be both back for um, possibly only two. We haven't discussed it yet about a post-match after the Scotland match, maybe. Um, <laughs> and we have the Georgia match coming up too. So I'm sure we're doing something after both of those. Uh, and then the Euro start. Really exciting stuff. And um, if you if you, if you you are interested in seeing some more stuff on Football with Anya, head over to the YouTube channel. Later this evening, we'll have um, a couple of interviews for you from the Aranya under-21s. I was able to go to the press conference and I managed to speak to Erwin van der Looy and Danny De Witt ahead of their match against France, um, the quarterfinal of the under-21s Euros tournament. Stick around for that if you can. Um, but Andy, Mike, thanks for joining me and more from us soon.